Welcome back, everybody. This is the CC Podcast. It is the morning of Wednesday, September 27th. Mike Rutherford's here in Louisville, Kentucky. Dan Snard in Columbus, Ohio, celebrating another Cardinal victory over the weekend. 4-0. It's Jeff Tember officially. We're going to look to end Jeff Tember the right way on Friday against NC State and Raleigh, which we'll talk about a little bit later in the podcast. We'll start talking about BC. We'll move on to some Twitter questions. The standard Victory Wednesday celebration episode. Before we do any of that, though, got to say what's up to Dan. How are we? How's life in Columbus this week? We are good. Um, I'm actually really not uh, sure how to act with a 4-0 record. It's been so long since we've had like super positive vibes on the pod with a sports season. So this is refreshing. Uh, it's a little different up here. Like I want to share my excitement with like anyone I know up here. And of course, after like the Ohio State dramatic victory, like I even like, bro, I'm like, hey, Louisville's got Notre Dame on a Saturday night in two weeks. Should get rat. Like I've never been dismissed quicker, like in my <laughs> life. So um, I'm feeling good. Uh, obviously, you know, we got a big one Friday, but vibes are are very nice right now with the football program. It very much reminds me of the story about how. Like when you were in seventh or eighth grade, whenever that was, and you went on like a cruise on spring break and you kissed some girl and you were so excited to tell everybody back at school <laughs> and you get to school and they're all like, did you hear Mark had sex? <laughs> yeah, yeah, with a high schooler. With a high, um, with a girl from high school. Yeah, yeah, it's like, like, well, yeah. <laughs> my news is a little bit less cool now. Yeah, I was like, okay, moving on. <laughs> Um, when last we spoke last week on the, on the pod, uh, I think I ended it with a very ominous, like, I, I feel like I'm starting to get this hand, foot and mouth thing. Uh, oh buddy. Uh, about two hours <laughs> later, it, it came down full force. Uh, it was cause Mary listened to the podcast on like Friday and she was like, so sad. She's like, it was depressing here. You'd be like, this may be the last time you hear from me this week because it was the last time that you heard from me last week. Like, like literally two hours after we finished taping the podcast. Like I broke out in this terrible fever, got the sore. Everything that everybody told me was going to happen the first day, like fever, chills, mild sore throat. It was just like, like my fever hit one Oh three that night. It was terrible. And then the next day, the bump start. That's what like when I was doing the podcast, I started feeling like the slight sore throat. And, and I said, this must be how people from like the, the the plague era felt when they coughed and saw blood for the first time. It's like, well, oh, what God. what do you do? Like, you, you know what's coming. There's nothing you can really do to prevent this. It's going to suck, and it, it sucked. I think I felt like the fever for me was the worst part. That first day was terrible, and then the the bumps were bad. But I think I got it a little bit less than some people. Like like my it was tough for me to walk for a couple of days. I couldn't do the radio show on Friday. I felt okay, but I couldn't talk. Because I had this shit all over my throat and like my mouth, which was not not very not good. Yeah. Um, but it's I still have the bumps now, but they don't hurt anymore. They're starting to go away. Um, also, for in my case, can't speak for everybody. Could have been called hand, foot, mouth, and ass because I cut them all over my ass, which was not great. <laughs> um, so like, I, I watched the game on Saturday, you know, in the basement like a goddamn leper as my family's upstairs like having the times of their lives. I'm like, yeah, I feel like the little kid from Seinfeld watching for Paul O'Neill to hit two home runs. That was that was a great tweet, by the yeah, way. Yeah, it was it was tough, but we made it, this is what I do for Louisville football. I do it all again for yeah. four more wins. No question. I've become asked. kind of like a uh the older I get, I'm a WebMD guy. Um so I mean it's not like I haven't heard of hand foot mouth, but like after the pod, I was like, I'm gonna dig into this, and then like the like the first picture I opened up, I was like, okay, and I'm not gonna dig into this anymore. Um, I don't know that stuff. Just I'm, I'm bad. Blessed that I I have never gotten it. I don't know how I've escaped it with three kids, but um, knock on wood. I mean, my daughter is in a uh, like a kind of a preschool daycareish thing, so I guess I'm not out of the woods yet. But um, yeah, that sucks. I mean, I'd never heard of this thing. Like, like this wasn't around when you and I were growing up. Like, like it was. Is this you know, like had, the modern day chicken pox? Exactly. Like we had chicken pox. Apparently, this thing was going crazy in like Japan in the seventies and eighties and nineties. So it just started to get here in the early two thousands. And like that generation of people, like if, if you're listening to this and you're like twenty four, twenty five, I think your generation, it was like chicken pox for you. Which is why parents who are in their twenties 
aren't getting hit as hard as this as like people like me that never had this growing up. Mary never really got it. She got she had kind of a couple days where she was sick. Uh, Virginia never got it, but yeah, I it, you know like you keep hoping at every stage that you're just imagining things like like you know you're like eh, it's it's probably not that much of a sore throat. Then you get sick and you're like yeah I might not get the bumps and then you start seeing the bumps pop up and it's just like fuck. Uh, I mean, I'm so, I wonder if what like maybe there is one. I don't know like. I am like the weirdo in college. I didn't want to get a job. So I signed up for like a research study in college where I got the <laughs> anthrax vaccine. That's and right. uh, what was it? Anthra- I can't believe I'm. Uh, didn't you get forget- Ebola? No, it wasn't Ebola. That was like a hardcore one. It was anthrax. And, anthrax uh, is pretty hardcore. I know. Was it smallpox? I don't know. Uh, but like the- I got like money for it and I just had to get like the vaccines and get all these shots um so like now my wife like you know i told her like maybe like a year after i'm like by the way i got all these vaccines <laughs> she's like what the hell um so in case anyway, there's ever yeah. an anthrax outbreak we're good don't we worry are. about it i am covered um but yeah that's uh yeah i i just wanted to get a little bit of cash yeah, that's. I love how you said like I was the weird one in college that didn't want to get a job, as if everybody in college just wants to get jobs. Yeah, I know. Yeah, well, the valet park at uh, Churchill Downs was only paying so much. I needed some extra dough during the uh, during the school year. Before we get into last week's game, would you like to address the fact that people have brought up uh, about you referring to receiving core as uh, as corpse in, in the last podcast? Okay, this is a tough look. <laughs> All right. I like say even when like that tweet came through and sorry, I don't remember who tweeted us about it. I still thought I was right. I was like, what is he talking about? And I, I was like asking Kim, I'm like, have you ever heard of this? She was like, I don't know. Like it was one of those, like, I don't have time for a conversation. So I like Googled it and I guess, yeah, like when you're talking about like corpse, it's core apparently so I mean, uh, you, you, you like still argued it in our our friends group text i'm like the word is pronounced core and like, like our friends are like oh boy dan just sit this one out <laughs> get better at the english language you're like, like how is it not subjects course? yeah i mean there were some subjects in, in school that i had a tough time with but <laughs> I, I, I don't know how that one got past me i really don't that, that, i'm still baffled by it so i guarantee i'll say receiving corpse again soon like <laughs> <laughs> so it's not marine corpse it's marine corps <laughs> uh, let's talk about last week's game louisville uh, all over boston college a, a thorough ass kicking 56 to 28 was the final score uh, jack Plummer picking up all sorts of national player of the week awards you know it's a good offensive performance when you've got multiple players winning national player of the week uh, awards jack Plummer's won a couple quarterback awards jawar jordan was named the Paul Horning Award National Player of the Week. He also was on the Jim Rome Show. Uh, we're starting to see, I think, more people are paying attention to Louisville now. you got these gaudy numbers up there. People are, are noticing that the team is 4-0. I think that you can really jump on some more radars with a win over NC State on Friday, an internationally televised game, and then obviously we'll have a an event coming up a week from Saturday when Notre Dame comes to town, which they just announced is officially a sellout. But Boston College, 56 points from the offense, Dan, I'll let you swing first here. Give give me your general takeaway. Was the performance so good that maybe it changed like your outlook for the rest of the season? Where are you now with this team? On offense, I mean, I think that's pretty much everything that we could have dreamed of when we were like, you know, three, four years ago, wondering like, God, could you imagine if Braum was here instead of Satterfield? Like, that is everything you wanted in an offense. Granted, it was it was Boston College, so you do want to see it against some better competition. But I mean, they did everything they had to do. They they ran the ball well. They threw the deep ball well. Um, you know, they didn't take their foot off the gas. I mean, the play before halftime. You know, I, I think I was. It might have been you that said it. Like some people are wondering why we're wasting that play. I, like in all honesty, I think we needed that play. Um, especially going to the second half and, and kind of see it, how their quarterback started to break our defense down. So overall performance, I don't think it changes the outlook yet. I still need to see us against some stiff competition. But uh, from an offensive standpoint, I, I feel really good about where things are right now. Yeah, I think it, to answer my own question, like 
it did change my overall outlook for the rest of the season a little bit because I, you know, Jack Plummer, I talked about his arm strength last week. You and I kind of went back and forth. He definitely gave a suck my dick Mike Rutherford type <laughs> performance right after yeah, that. I know he was throwing some nice balls. I mean, he looked he looked fantastic. Like I, I knew that he had like that type of ability, but putting together that entire game and looking damn near perfect for four quarters was eye-opening for me it was certainly encouraging I mean he attempted there were six passes that he threw that were in the air for 20 yards or more he was five of six on those passes for 222 yards and three touchdowns that's pretty fucking good Uh, he was 13 of 13 and throws over the middle he was great against the blitz Boston College had there were seven pass plays where Boston College blitzed he was six of seven on those pass plays for 128 yards uh, and two scores there 18 of 21 total, 388 yards, five touchdowns, no interceptions, rushed for a score. Uh, he now has, you know, speaking of the deep ball and, and the, the, the long passing game, he has nine pass completions of 40 yards or more. That's the most of any quarterback in the country. He also leads the nation or is tied for the lead in the nation in passes of 60-plus, 70-plus, and 80-plus yards. So keep pressing up and try to take away the, the, the short passing game at your own peril. Right. I think you saw Boston College do what Indiana tried to do early in that game, too, which was, you know, we're going to focus on the running game and the short passing game. If they beat us deep, they beat us deep. And we beat them deep. I mean, credit to uh, Jeff Brom for for calling the place. Credit to the offensive line, too, for giving Plummer uh, enough time to throw. We had only run, coming into the game, 13% of our pass plays had been off play action. And we ran a lot of play action against Boston College, which I do think kept their the defense honest. But it doesn't work at all if they, he doesn't have time to throw. We saw that in the second half against Indiana. Like, our passing game didn't get going in that second half against IU, not because Plummer was bad or because receivers weren't getting open. We didn't have time to throw. Like, they were bringing the house against us, uh, and, and, you know, Jack was rushed out of the pocket, neither had to scramble or was getting sacked. So the fact that he had all day to throw against BC, we now know what he can do when he has that type of time. So this was a wildly impressive performance from Jack Plummer. I think that Jeff Brom also, he had a great sense of when BC was going to bring insane pressure. He called up some well-timed screens. Uh, We did do a little bit of get the ball to Jamari and and the other guys in space, and that worked out well. It was was awesome to see Amari Huggins-Bruce have such a big game and get involved in the deep passing game. I mean, it was just like there, there was nothing that you saw on offense that wasn't spectacular. Like it, it, we we looked as good as you can possibly look. I, I think for three quarters uh, in a game against a power conference opponent. I, yeah, Plummer, I mean, it, it was fantastic. It was pretty much perfect. You can't. I mean, I, there's really not one thing that I can nitpick. And you brought it up. I think getting Amari Huggins Bruce involved is only going to improve things on and you know have the defenses in the future have to account for for one more threat. Um, we saw Chris Bell catch a deep one over the middle yeah. as well. Um, so yeah, I mean it seems like on offense we're, we're very balanced. I mean we have a home run hitter in the backfield. We can pound you with Garendo and Jawar. We have speed with Maurice. Um, you know, plus being able to go over the top. We have the short, the intermediate pass game. Um, so. Like I said, I, on offense, there's nothing you can nitpick. The only thing I think we want to see is, you know, how do we do it, A, against stiffer competition on defense, and B, how do we perform on the road? Um, I think we'll we'll find out or get a little better sense of that on Friday. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, when we're doing, you know, having linemen line up and doing cartwheels, you know, with, <laughs> with fake screen passes, I, I'd say uh, we're we're clicking on all cylinders. There's been so much attention, and look, we've done it too. Obviously, the quarterback is going to generate the bulk of conversation when you're talking about a passing game. But I think we've been so – we're talking about an offense, I mean. I think we've been so back and forth on on Jack Plummer, and we've been so excited about Jamari Thrash and Kevin Coleman and and this receiving group. Do you kind of think we're taking what Jawar Jordan's doing for granted a a little bit? Like he is – it's amazing what he's doing right now. He's eighth in the nation in total rushing yards. And again, this is a he's doing this in an offense that has been always perceived as pass heavy. And we did throw the ball a ton against Georgia Tech. He only carried the ball seven times in his first two games this year. But he's eighth in the nation in total rushing yards. 
He's number one in yards per carry by a wide margin. He's averaging damn near 10 yards per carry and is almost a full two yards per game per carry ahead of the next man on the list. He's tied for eight in rushing touchdowns. He's caught six passes for 133 yards and another touchdown. And it kind of just reminds me of this wasn't like a, a highly touted recruit that we brought in here and now is flourishing as a redshirt sophomore or a junior. This is a guy that he struggled to get on the field in two years for two bad Syracuse teams. When he transferred here, it wasn't like it was like when Jamari Thrash or Kevin Coleman did or Jack Plummer did where it was this huge celebration or we had this huge conversation. It was a blip on the radar when we found out that Jawar Jordan was coming here. He was buried on the depth chart in 2021. He didn't get his first carry of of that season until the next to last game of the regular season. And then even after playing well at the end of 2021, he goes into last year behind Tyon Evans, behind Jalen Mitchell, and behind uh, Travion Cooley on the depth chart. He's like the fourth man up and then has another great second half. And here he is now, and he's generating a little bit of, I dare I say, a small amount of Heisman buzz now. Like they, Jamari, or Jawar Jordan has been tremendous for us. 100%. I'll never forget... I mean, I know I think you played, you said, like the second to last game in 2021, but I'll never forget the Air Force game, um, the bowl game. Like when he got a carry, and I honestly really didn't even know who he was, he kind of like popped off the screen immediately. I was like, Jesus, this guy runs super hard. I think he was maybe a little flimsy with the ball um, at the time. So, you know, obviously he had to clean that up, but he's everything that you want in a running back. He can run through the tackles. He can go outside this year. He's like you said, you know, he's caught six passes. He had a nice screen pass that he took to the house. Um, You know, he picks up blocks in the backfield. He's, he seems like a humble kid with a good head on his shoulders. So, I think we we have a gem in Jawar, um, and I'm I'm looking forward to see what he does the rest of the game. I think another big part of it is we're not just completely leaning on him. We're able to give him blows with Garendo, with Turner. Um, so I I do you know out of all three, and I think they're all great. Like I I, I like when he's in the backfield the most. I obviously feel the most confident there, but I do think it's nice to that we have a system to where we can keep guys fresh. And that way, when it is their turn, you know, we get their 110% effort every time. I mean, he's, I think you make a good point too. It's nice having Maurice Turner and Isaac Rendo as well as sort of a, a change of pace. Um, Jordan, I, I couldn't ask for anything more than what right. we're given. I, I do think there are going to be games moving forward where we have to rely on him a little bit more. And we'll see how he handles that. But I mean, he's, I think the, the best thing about him is you look at him and you watch maybe his biggest highlights, and you're like, this is a speed back game breaker. He's a really physical runner as well. Like yep. he, we needed three yards to get the first down against Indiana to end the game a couple of weeks ago. He gets hit at the line of scrimmage and still like pushes the pile forward to get those three yards. Like he is, I mean, I think you know we'll obviously have more time to reflect once this season's over. And he technically has another year of eligibility if he wants to come back next year. But he may end up being a guy that we look back at and say, you know, he kind of he's in that top tier of all time running backs that we've had here, which is yeah, feels something. like a Belial Palace season um, almost. Like, and I mean that's you know Belial the one you know Charlie Strong's first year he was unbelievable. Yeah. But I mean what we've seen Jawar do so far, uh, you know, like you said, I don't think we can ask for anything more. You mentioned it sort of in passing. I want to talk about the play before the end of the half where. You know, it made all the highlight shows. Jeff Brom does this thing where it looks like we're going to come out and take a knee. We instead run like a little slight handoff where Jack Plummer goes to the right side, the open side of the field, and, and Jawar Jordan gets the ball and runs up the left sideline for a huge game. It sets up a touchdown right before the end of the half. I've seen, like you said, I've seen a lot of people who are like, saying some variation of why would you run this play against Boston College? You know, we should have saved this for a bigger moment. And I'm right there with you. Like a few points here. One, if you take a knee, you go up into the half up 21 against BC, which is the exact same thing that you did the week before against Indiana. And we damn near lost that game. Like, like you had a chance to really put them away, let them get no momentum. Castellanos was starting to play well at the end of the first half. If you score there, it really 
all the momentum's back on our side. We get the ball to start the second half, and the game's essentially over. So I was I was fine with it for that fact. Also, like this play, it only works in a very specific situation. You have to have the ball with less than a minute to go in the half. There has to be an amount of time on the clock that you, 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 your opponent would have to realistically believe that you might take a knee. Right. And then there also still has to be enough time on the clock where once the play is over, you've got time to do more damage. Like if you run this play with 11 seconds left, like that's going to be it. You're gonna, if you get the ball to midfield, you maybe have a shot at a hail mary. Like we ran it with 33 seconds left. I think the play took about 15 seconds, so we had 20. I think 20 seconds or so to to make a, a play for a touchdown, and we ended up scoring after a penalty, which was great. So everyone's also saying like once you've burned this play. We'll never get to see it again. He ran it in a bowl game at Western Kentucky. Purdue fans claim that he ran it multiple times at Purdue. I still haven't seen the video of that. But apparently every time that he ran that play at previous stops, it worked. So we may not see it again this year, but we'll see it again at some point in the future, and it's probably going to work again. So like, we may not be in that exact same situation again this season. So I was fine with burning it there against Boston College. I thought it was great. No, 100%. I, I think it shows that that Jeff and you know, if I don't know if Brian had a say there, but they he did. They really no, no, he, no, he gets yeah, no credit for Jeff. that. Yeah, no. Jeff. Um, I mean, coach. Um, <laughs> but I, I I really do think he just has like such a good feel for that type of stuff. Um, you know, because he's known for someone that has gadget plays, and I feel like he's been so successful with them in, in his past stops that. He just said that that's just one of his strengths is he has a feel for, you know, when to be able to use this stuff. So, like you said, I have no problem with him using it there. Um, and it's just one of those deals to where, like you said, Cassianus was starting to play well. We can, I'm sure we'll talk about the second half. Um, so, I, I just like the foot on the gas mentality. You know, I, there was a game uh, – I don't know if it was last year or two years ago. I think Purdue fans are probably still upset about it where, you know, they were trying to end the game against Penn State and, um, you know, the the clock management was a little bit meh. And yeah. th- I guess if I had one reservation for, for Jeff, it, it, it might have been end of, you know, half or end of clock uh, or end of game uh, clock management. So to see him be able to pull something like that, going for a, a score that – you know, pretty much puts the game on ice after, you know, the first half. It was nice to see. Yeah, if you have a chance to put a game away, you put a game away. I think it's that simple. And then we did that on Saturday. He also said after the game, he's like, you know, we we have five to ten gadget plays that we practice fairly consistently. Um, the, you know, the players love doing it. They love practicing them. They, they, they were anxious to see one implemented in the game. He's like, also, my family members were giving me shit for not for not doing a trick play yet. So it was it was nice to see one get out there and have some success. So like, I, like this won't be the end of Jeff Brom trick plays. Like we're going, yeah. he's got more in the bag. We're gonna see more. You know, if, if a situation arises against Notre Dame or Kentucky or Miami or one of these other bigger games, I'm sure he'll take advantage again. So the, it wasn't like he just you know this was it. This was the one chance we had to run something, and now it's done forever. Like we'll see more moving forward. Um, Dan, so repeat that, bud. You just sorry. Out. All right. If you had to, if you had to nitpick something from this performance, what are you nitpicking? Yeah, I mean, I'll say this: it's you know, when when you have a big lead, it's 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 kind of tough, you know, to to stay in that same hungry mode mentality on defense. But obviously, uh, in the second half, you know, Boston College they they had some success. They had some guys running wide open within, you know, no one as far as the defensive backfield being within five ten yards, um, you know. And I, we talked about this via, you know, Twitter. I think Cassianos has a real shot to be a real nice quarterback, whether it's for 
for Boston College or for uh, another team uh, next year, perhaps in the ACC. That kid has, you know, yeah. he was so shifty uh, behind the line, and he's got a cannon, and he was pretty accurate. I was like, God, this. I was actually very surprised they didn't run him more in the first half. Uh, I thought that might have given us a little bit of trouble, um, like some sort of read option. But with that being said, I mean, it, I, I think we've, the same thing we've been saying. I mean, we, we want to see more pressure on the quarterback. We, we want to see, uh, you know, better, just better play overall from the secondary. I know Quincy Riley's had a pretty nice year. I mean, really our defense overall, I, I, I'm not saying they've had a bad year, but it was a little disappointing to see uh, them kind of let up in the second half, especially uh, you want to kind of carry some momentum into that NC State game this week. I mean, I don't know how much to attribute it to the fact that when Boston College was having success on offense, more times than not, we were up by four scores or right. you know, a little bit more. But there were many times where Castellanos had a, a ton of time to throw, and he had receivers that were like 10 yards open. Uh, and that that's concerning for sure. We are, I mean, defensively, I know we don't have a ton of sacks this year, but Ashton Gelade leads the nation in QB hurries and QB pressures. Yeah. Uh, Stephen Heron, I think it's top 20 in that. So we're, we're getting some guys home, and we're at least getting the quarterbacks out of the pocket. We're going to play some less mobile quarterbacks moving forward, but we're also going to play some guys that are pretty good at keeping plays alive. We'll see one on Friday in Brendan Armstrong. Um, I, I think defensively they've been good enough. Is that going to be good enough now that we have tougher teams on our schedule coming up? I think we'll have to find out. Uh, I thought the secondary, like you said, Quincy Riley's been really good. Jarvis Brownlee's been good for the most part. The safeties, I thought Minkins was was hit or miss again. I was a little bit surprised that he got the start coming back from being injured after Cam Kelly was ACC defensive back of the week. But I think those three guys, um, those two and Devin Neal, are going to keep just kind of going in and out and rotating a little bit. But it's you know, Castellanos, I think he's going to look great in a Florida State uniform or wherever he is next year. And uh, after Jeff Halfley gets fired, but he was—he's he, pretty damn good. If he had more weapons, it could have been a little bit rough for us. But thankfully, it, it wasn't. Real quickly, a look at Via Kelly Dickey. Louisville ranks in the top ten nationally in a number of categories. We are number one in opponent field goals. No field goals allowed through four games. Don't don't think about kicking a field goal. Don't even fucking look at the goalposts. Uh, don't don't even contemplate kicking a field goal against us. It's not going to happen. We're also number one in fumbles lost. Zero fumbles lost through four games. How about that, Dan? I mean, I'm literally knocking on wood. Um, I know. You know, as we speak, we haven't. I mean, we've had a couple neutral site games. I I think all this stuff that all these nice stats. Like, I think once you go on the road for the first time, you know, that's when we kind of truly find out about the team. Um, so I, I think a lot. We'll learn a lot on Friday, even though, you know, and we'll talk about it. But I don't think. People are kind of, I don't want to say they're dismissing NC State by any means. This is going to be a tough game, but yeah. it's maybe not one of the teams like they had like two, three years ago that it's like, okay, this is going to be a complete uphill battle. They haven't looked as good as we thought they were going to look. I think that's right. safe to say, but I think it's still also safe to say that this is going to be an absolute you know, dogfight on Friday night. Uh, Louisville also fifth in the country in total offense, 542 yards per game. Fifth in rushing offense, 237.25 yards per game. Sixth in tackles allowed for loss. We've only had 13 of them. Sixth in opponent red zone conversions. If you get in the red zone against us, you have a 55.6% chance of converting. That's very good. We're seventh in fourth down conversions and ninth in scoring offense, averaging 43 yards per game. It feels good to be here. It feels good to be in Brom Timber. Jeff Timber. I almost did it again. It feels good to be in Jeff Timber. We're rolling. Everything's good. I'm loving life right now. It feels I, it really. I mean, like I tweeted this during the game. I mean, this is everything that, like, I think the pictures we had in our head of, man, what what could Brom actually do here, like with his offense and his scheme and everything. And yes, has our schedule been light? Eh, yeah, I mean, Georgia Tech's shown flashes. Um, Indiana played Ohio State somewhat close, although they barely beat Akron. But still, I mean. We're, we're taking care of business. We're doing what we need to do. We said, hey, with this schedule, this doesn't come around a whole lot. We need to get out of the gate 4-0. We've done that, and now we have the whole season ahead of us to to really kind of make a you know make a national footprint here and, and put ourselves back on the national map. 
the last thing that I wanted to mention from Saturday's game. So a, a lot of people were very disappointed when Jack Plummer showed up to the, the, the media availability before the first game against Georgia Tech, and he'd shaved his mustache that he had all summer long. I don't know if you noticed this. On Saturday, the mustache was back, John, Dan. Is it coming back? He brought it back for this game and just so happened to play the best game of his college career to date. I feel like, you know, we got one more game in Jeff Timber. I don't, next month, I'm kind of feeling like it's stashed over. I think if, if we're still unbeaten, we all need to start rocking Jack Plummer mustaches. I'll tell you what. I'm not against it. I've never grown a mustache. Um, I haven't my either. Wife, my wife will be against it. I know that. But uh, I don't know if I'd actually be able to pull it off. But I will. Uh, I, if, if we're rolling, I, I will 100% let it go and kind of see what happens. Stashed over. Let's make it happen. Stashed over. Jack Plummer, who the ACC Network announcers referred to as Jake Plummer, I think 16,000 times during the game on Saturday. It was rough. They, they had a rough go. Yeah. I, I, you know what? Hey, I, that's totally something I could see myself doing if I haven't already done it on a pod. So uh, I, I, I sympathize with them. That's, you know, both quarterbacks, names sound similar. Um, you know. I know it's a tough look, but I, I'm, I sympathize I'm a, if it's one or two times. They did it the entire game. It got to a point where it's like I don't think these guys know that his name's not Jake. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. like they were doing the little, like they they done it the entire first half, and then they do the whole like little the ten second shot of them in the booth before they start the second half, where they're you know, giving the, the quick spiel, and the guys like Jake Plummer. I'm like Jesus Christ. He's like <laughs> he called Jeff Bryan a, a few times. They called Brock Travelstead Bryan. Everybody was Bryan for a brief period. It was a rough game. Look, the, it's the ACC network ambiance. It's what you get. Like, when you tune in, you're like, hey, I already know what's coming, but uh, I'm just going to roll with it. Now, if they were to start calling him, like, Jake the Snake, I'd have been like, what the hell's going on here? Um, it, it's the but, charm. It's, it's the charm yeah, of the ACC is. network. Uh, last note from Saturday, Louisville and Kentucky now both 4-0 for the first time ever in the history of the Commonwealth. We've never had these two programs 4-0 at the same time. Kind of cool. I, yeah, I don't really care. I would rather. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I'd, li- I'd, I'd like UK to be zero and four, but you know, yeah. if we're, you know, whatever. And North Carolina Duke also four and zero, but but who cares about that as well? Um, we did ask for some questions from Twitter. We're going to take some now from you guys. We'll try to avoid the basketball questions as much as possible, just because like it's a it's a it's a we're talking about a win on a Wednesday and getting ready for another big football game. We don't really want to bring it down. Uh, so I had a question via email. I don't have the emailer's name, but I do remember they sent it after the last podcast. They wanted us to answer this question, and we have some variation of it multiple times on Twitter. People saying, now that we've played a third of the season, we're 4-0, we've seen what this team looks like a little bit, Would we? do we want to revise our win totals? We did our pre, uh, preseason show. I think you went with 7-5. and five. I went with 8-4. and four. Now that you've seen us play and also the other eight teams in our schedule play four games, are you sticking with seven and five? All right. Well, let's walk through this because I think we do have like four teams left at least that are like towards the bottom half of the ACC so far, which is I think we got Virginia, we have Pitt, we have Virginia Tech, Virginia Tech, we have, I guess, is NC State classified at the bottom? Um, eh, it's probably they're, sure. they're kind of middle ish. Um, is there another bad team that we play that I'm forgetting? Um, I don't have the schedule in front of me, but I mean, you, Virginia, Virginia Tech, I, I feel, I mean, that's very confident. So that's at least six right there. Um, we got Pitt, NC State, and then, you know, the, the tough ones, Duke, Kentucky, and Miami, Notre, Miami, Notre Dame. Yeah. Yeah. Gosh. I said seven and five. I, I'll bump it up to eight. I think eight's realistic. Um, I, I think we can steal one or two wins against you know those four upper echelon teams and um, at least take care of business against three of those kind of you know NC State, Pitt, Virginia, Virginia Tech. So I'll bump it up to four. Yeah, I think you look at the schedule now and you say NC State still good, but not not as good as we maybe were thinking. Notre Dame, probably about what we thought they were going to be. Pitt, not as good as we thought they were going to be, but still a road game. Duke, better than we thought they were going to be. Virginia Tech and Virginia are both very bad. Um, You should win both those games at home. Miami, maybe a little bit better than we thought they were going to be. Yeah, I think they're actually pretty, you know, that's a 
that's a game that I'm like, no, nah, it's going to be a toughie. That's the one. I, mean, I said it before the season. I still feel the same way. I, that's the one game on the schedule that I look at. I'm like, I don't, I don't, I don't see much hope there. And then Kentucky. I mean, we still will find out more about them on Saturday because they haven't played anybody. But, but I, they look like about as good as we thought they were going to be. So, I'm, I, I'm torn between staying at eight and four and bumping it up to nine and three. I definitely feel better about NC State than I did going into the season when I picked us to lose this game. Um. Fuck it. I'm, I'm, I'm saying we go 9-3 and three now. I'll, I'll bump it up one game. Um, I'm, I, I'm I know. We'll probably talk about NC State at the end. But, like, to me, this game is – I mean, this is more important than maybe, like, the Notre Dame game or any – I mean, this is one of those it's ones big. that you circled as a 50-50 game before the season. You've seen how you've played. You've seen how NC State has played so far this year. I mean, this is a gettable road win on a Friday night that could really propel the program into a national spotlight. So I am, you know, I know it's easy for fans to look ahead. I'm sure, you know, Jeff has, has the guys focus, but I really hope because with all the Notre Dame hoopla, the sellout, the seven thirty game announcement, it's easy to kind of get caught up in like that. This is a big one. So I, I, I hope that we're honed in here. Um, let's see. Levi says, which player has been a pleasant surprise for you all thus far? Jalen Alderman has been the guy for me. Jalen Alderman has been very, I mean, the only thing that we knew about him the last two years was the, the interception return against UCF. And it was really, he didn't play much after that. So yeah, he stepped up. We needed some help at linebacker. He's definitely been one of those guys. Um, I'm trying to think of who else stood that has been Devin Neal. Maybe I, I and I know he played a lot at Baylor, but he's been better than I thought he was going to be. TJ Quinn got a lot of love coming into the season, so that shouldn't be a huge surprise. Um, Antonio Watts, maybe the, the, the guy. Yeah, that that's I would a pick. good one. Yeah, I think he's that's been good. A good one. I, I loved his. Uh, did, did you see the play where we thought that um, Castellanos had thrown the ball backwards, and Watt is going for the Watts is going for the ball? And he just shoves the, the Boston College player out of the way like a big brother playing backyard football and then scoops yeah. it up. Like That was a great play. Uh, that, that'll that be my answer. I think Antonio Watts has been pretty damn good. Yeah, I mean, I'll be dead honest. Like, I, I guess, I don't know. I'm, like, you, you named a bunch of defensive guys on offense. I think everyone's kind of performing to almost, you know, what – I mean, Jawar's been amazing, but we thought he was good. Jack's numbers have been great. I guess we didn't really fully understand or expect what he was going to do, but I would kind of mention the same guys you did. Alderman's one guy that I, I see all over the field. Um, you know, obviously he had the big play against Central Florida, um, but you kind of didn't hear much about him after that. He looks like he's really trimmed down, if I, uh, yeah. you know, but yeah, I would say Alderman and, and Watts, those are two that have kind of stood out to me as well. Uh, the the only other guy that kind of comes to mind is Isaac Garendo. I, I thought maybe he'd be only a short yardage back. Like we're, he, he can do. He's maybe, a Wisconsin back. I knew he was going to be good. Anyway, I, mean, I thought he would be Wisconsin. good, but I, I thought we would only use him in like heavy packages. Like he he can do more in the, our traditional offense than maybe I was giving him credit for. So like he's he's definitely good. Uh, let's see. LSF says so far, Stan Quan Clark has made some great plays as a freshman this season. Any other freshmen who you think are playing well during the first four games? Um, we haven't seen a ton of. I was going to say I haven't seen any. You know, unless I'm I'm missing. You know, some guys. I mean, yeah, there've been. I, I guess I, I think that like, William Foles got in there for a little bit of the. Like everybody played against Murray State, and we saw yeah. some guys getting at the end of the game. You know, so we haven't seen a ton of like freshmen play big time snaps. We see some of the like the guys from a couple of classes ago, like Toffee Thomas and, and Selah Brown, get out there a little bit as as I guess sophomores, but yeah, we haven't seen a ton of the the, the, the true freshman class getting out there and, and making plays against anybody besides Murray State. I'm, you know, like I'm kind of piggybacking off the answer here just because I haven't seen a ton of guys, but I'll say this. I could not be more excited for Stan Quan. This kid's yeah. going to be really good. Um, you know, I think he's going to be someone that anchors our defense for years to come. So uh, it's nice to see him kind of getting his feet wet a little bit. I'm trying to think. Of, I mean, I think Adonijah Green has played a little bit. Um, we haven't seen Jamari Johnson's getting got some snaps against Murray State at the tight end. 
Um, I, I like he didn't get into last week's game a whole lot. Um, I don't think he got into last week's game at all. Like, we haven't seen. Let Keyboard me ask Brown. you this: Okay, do you think we're do you because Brom is from the the Bobby Petrino tree a little bit on offense. I know he's got his own you know kind of variations, but Bobby was kind of known for hiding players for bigger games. Do you think we're like hiding like maybe a, a Joey Gatewood or a Jamari for like hey, you know? time to bring them out in a you know whether it's a a road game or a a, a big game and, and kind of throwing him into the fire i don't think hiding him I don't, I don't think that's happening i do think that they're trying to get both jamari johnson and joey gatewood like more familiar with the position you know jamari's never played college football gatewood's never played tight end um they're both learning the playbook they're both learning how to be run blockers and i think that's the big issue I think that their hope is that they get them more involved uh, later in the season. Josh Lifson, and it was good to see Nate Kariski get in the end zone last weekend, yeah. but they're neither one have been involved in the passing game at all, really. Uh, but they have been blocking well in the run game, according to Brom. But I do think that like maybe about the midway point of the season, we see Joey Gatewood out there a little bit more because he's, I mean, he's clearly a weapon that we can use. We saw that in the, the Murray State game. So I don't yeah. think that they're hiding them. I think that they're just, they feel like they're not ready to play big time snaps just yet no that makes uh, sense uh, let's see here ryan keeling says my question is can we not talk about the basketball schedule because i don't care right now yeah the basketball schedule came out i've never had i did i, I had like a a segment on this on the radio show yesterday like monday was the first day of basketball practice and i've never seen like a a time where there's been less attention paid to it like i was like oh yeah they're they're starting to play and um, can we get something positive in the program can we get some positive news uh but it's just the, the schedule came out look the schedule is going to be statistically one of the easier ones that we've played i think it'll be the easiest that we've played since we joined the acc the non-conference schedule again pre uh, based on preseason prognostications is the easiest that i think we've had in 22 years so we should be able to stack some wins up but uh if we don't we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna know pretty early on that this is going south yeah I mean, we don't have to dive fully into it. I, I don't think the ACC did us any favors or did Kenny any favors with his uh, with the tough games to kind of begin conference play, which just kind of going through that, it scares me a little bit to where, you know, and I hate to even say this, I don't know how much of the fan base that, that we have right now, but that tough beginning of the ACC schedule. I mean, if, you know, Duke, Carolina, Virginia, I see it all in there, and I, I want to say January, you know, if things kind of start to unravel quickly, it's it's going to be a, a, a very kind of tough look at the end um, there when our schedule does lighten up. So they didn't do us any favors, but like you said, I think the schedule at least is a little bit manageable, you hope, but I have no idea what to expect from this team. I am blind going in here. I have an idea. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I, I say that as in, like, I guess we just got, like, a bunch of new faces, really. Like, I don't yeah. know, like, Sky Clark's going to be handling the ball a ton, and, um, you know, it's going to be different, I would say. I don't know if it's going to be good different or same different. I haven't gotten quite the, like, the sky is falling. Like, when I was getting reports from people that were going to practice or people that were with the program this time last year, it was very much a, like, this is this is going to be tough. Like I've only talked to one person, I'm not saying who, like player, coach, support staff, somebody close to the program in the last couple of weeks, and um, hasn't been positive. I'll, I'll just say that, but it's not quite as bad as last year. I think is is the vibe, but there's definitely some stuff going on, which you know we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. John says, "Would you have hand, foot, and mouth for a whole year if it guaranteed a Sweet 16 and a New Year's Six bowl?" Yeah. I was gonna say, you better say yes. My, my wife would say no. Mary, Mary, yeah, Mary's after she had to like walk the kid. She can't like I, she has to take the kids to school because I've got I'm still contagious right now. She's had to like you know walk the dog and walk the kids because uh, my feet were burning at the beginning of the week and over the weekend. So she may not like th this, but yeah, I, I would sacrifice my body for a good basketball and a great football season for sure. We'll we'll do anything on this pod, folks. We'll do anything for success. Just remember that. That's what, yeah, if we've established nothing else over the past couple of years, we should have established that. Alan says, if I forced you to bet one year's salary and you got even money on the bet, 
is Kenny Payne still our head coach one year from today? I'm a relatively new listener to the podcast, but have become a super fan very quickly. Please keep up the great work. Well, thank you, Alan. Um, I would bet on no. I'm not trying to be negative. I'm just saying my honest answer, my my money would be on no. Yes, I, I agree. And that's, you know, who knows what's going to happen this season. I'm just kind of looking at the recruiting waters that we're swimming in right now. It's not great. Not great. Not not what you want to see from a coach who um, plans on being here a long time. It's, uh, you know, I, I hate to even say it, but it feels kind of Cragthorpian with some of the schools that we're swimming with as far as basketball recruiting. And, you know, I think that's usually the first kind of domino to fall in, in something like this. I mean, we went from this guy's going to, get whatever five-star he wants and we've never we're never going to have classes like this to why does this guy not have a rivals page that we just offered like it's yeah it's it's been quite the quite the change uh, very very quickly here on the recruiting front joe says if you played wide receiver at louisville would you put your mouth guard in or let it dangle from your face mask what, what are we the only people that like I'm seeing it across the country, but I feel like our team specifically, so many guys who just have the the the, the mouthpiece just flopping around everywhere on the helmet. I I don't remember ever seeing this in years past, but it's everywhere this season. Yeah, I mean, if Jawar's going to run like that, I don't care how floppy his mouthpiece is. Oh, I don't care do yeah. day. But I'll say this, like, whenever I had a mouthpiece, especially in football, I, like, I was a big, like, I kind of treat it like Steph Curry treats his mouthpiece. Like, I would have, like, one half in that, like, I'd chew off the ends. Like, I never, like, I hated it having it in my mouth. I felt like I couldn't breathe. Um, so, I I don't know. I wasn't a big fan of mouthpieces. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> Just got a glimpse of old eighth grade Dan there. I'm sure everyone's living on the edge here. You get everything on this pod. <laughs> Like, do your Dan shoot his mouthpiece like Steph Curry at St. Pat's football in eighth grade? Kind of reminds me of Jamari Thrash a little bit. <laughs> yeah. It's like, did he play like him? No. <laughs> He's the third wide receiver on St. Pat's in 1999. Stephen says, any word on the eligibility status of Tyler Johnson? No. I mean, he's practicing. I've heard that nothing's changed. They're still waiting for the NCAA to say something, but they don't have – Hopes are, are low that he's going to be eligible to play this season, but you never know. Uh, Dr. Gunk says, remember that Circuit City on <laughs> Thierman? Okay, well, that's my question. Uh, Circuit City was, was Circuit City and Radio Shack were incredible places to go as a kid in the 90s. Like, it, was, it was the height of luxury and technology when you stepped into one. Yeah, that, I, I remember the Circuit City that was over in like, the St. Matthews Plaza there for a little bit. So, um, yeah, that's my answer. Brian Smith says, marry one, hook up with one, kill one. Jack Plummer, Jack Harlow, Jack Nicholas. I think Jack Nicklaus is, uh, he's, he's out of here. Um, Jack Nicholas but, is dead. He's, he's, yeah. he's, he's too old anyway. You gotta, you gotta well, I mean, I am him. a Columbus guy, so let's That's true. pump the brakes. We can't just walk right over him. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I hear stories up here about Jack. He's, he's, he's a different, different guy. That's how I'll say it nicely. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, who are the other two options? Plummer oh, and Harlow. Yeah. We're gonna we're gonna marry Plummer and get I'm, get going with Jack. I'm banging Harlow. Harlow. Um, yeah. I'm uh, after Saturday. I'm definitely gonna marry Plummer. I, I love yeah. the stash. He's bringing it back. And yeah, I'm killing Jack. Sorry, Nicholas. Sorry. Um, Cole, Dr. Colby says, "Help me get there on basketball." I can't. I'm sorry. Well, we'll we'll again. We'll get there. Um. Yeah, a lot of basketball let's see, questions. Let's just see one. One. You know, I'm not going to completely dismiss it. I'm. I want to see uh, the first like scrimmage against another opponent because I think we learned a lot last year. Quickly. Well, the first exhibition this year is against Simmons College, who we beat in Chris Mack's first year by 50, and we could have beaten them by a thousand. Like they looked. It's a different level of basketball, and it's also Jerry Eves, who I think it's his team, and I think he would. Like literally toss the game if it looked like it was close to make sure that Kenny Payne looked good in this game. So I'm I'm more interested in the Wesleyan game. Like Simmons, we should if we don't beat them by 35-40, then it'll feel like losing to Lenore Ryan by ten. 
But uh, th- that second exhibition game against Wesley, I mean, hell, we're less than a month away from both these, which is crazy. Uh, we'll, I think we'll find out some stuff. Okay. Uh, uh, we had three people ask the same question. I don't know why we're already turning our attention, but people want to know who's the starting quarterback for next year's team. Uh, I mean, I think if you're asking me to guess right now, I'm saying it's another transfer. But Brady Allen will get a shot. Pierce Clarkson will get a shot. Harrison Bailey's probably going to get a shot. Uh, but my answer right now would be they go out and they get another transfer for next season. Just guessing. It, interesting. Yeah. I don't know. I, I would just assume that they were going to try to, you know, let Clarkson, you know, play this out and see how it works. Because, um, I mean, we talked about it. They got some quarterbacks even coming in behind him. But I don't know. It's been pretty hush hush. So uh, who knows how he's playing in practice or anything like that. But. I mean, that's just a shot in the dark. I'm going to say Clarkson. Okay. Uh, Nick Coffey, Vibe Check Zone, says, what would make this happen on the Louisville basketball side? And then sends the picture that, that I love using of the, uh, this makes my penis become the big penis. <laughs> uh, if they made the NCAA tournament, my penis would become the big penis for sure. I mean, if they if they wanted, if they started off 4-0, they took care of business against three really bad teams. I think it's uh, UMBC, Coppin State, and Chattanooga. And then if they beat Texas in the Empire Classic first game, then I would be raging. I mean, that's, like, very extreme. Like, I would go for, you know, getting to the Texas game undefeated. And then, I'm getting like, older. It takes a lot. Yeah, and then, like, you know, maybe being close at halftime and being like, hey, we can hang with these people. I'm not even, I'm not even asking for a win. Um, so that's – I'm just looking for, for baby steps. No, you should- Little baby boner. FPL Vector says, How many snaps could you play O line for until you got critically injured? Oh, one. <laughs> I'm, you snap me like a twig. I get out there for one snap, I'm done. I think I make it about 10. You could not make it 10. You couldn't make it through a Trinity practice freshman year without getting snapped like a twig. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, I guess if I'm like a center or a guard, um, I don't know. I feel like I'd get, yeah, well. It's a tough answer. I'd like to put the pads on just to test it out. Eric says, cards beat NC State and then go on to beat Notre Dame with a sellout crowd. If Louisville wins that game, is it a storm the field kind of win? Listen, no, we're not, we're not too early. Too early. We, yeah. we'll, we'll entertain this next week. But, no, I mean, we're probably going to be – if we win this this week against NC State, we're fourth and also receiving votes now. I think that, like, a ton of teams at the back end of the top 25 play games that they're supposed to lose. We'll jump ahead if Kentucky's ahead of us in the in the votes and Florida's ranked. We'll jump ahead of whoever loses that game. I think if we beat NC State, we're going to be a top twenty-five team going into that Notre Dame game, which will be good, fun. I can cool. I can already feel our fan base looking ahead past this game. I know I it's just, happening. I can tell by the tone and the questions. I can tell by the hoopla on Twitter. Like we 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 got to hone in here, guys. I mean, this is not going to be a cakewalk on Friday. We're going to get. NC State's best shot. So I don't even want to entertain the question. We got to beat NC State. Um, basketball, basketball, basketball. Uh, let's see here. Sarah says, "Would a top ten finish for Louisville football and an NCAA Sweet Sixteen for men's basketball cause the entirety of our fan base to simultaneously and collectively stroke out, or will we just all get drunk and party? We would get drunk and party for sure." Yeah. No. I mean that's standard operation i think for something uh like that occurring all right I'm, I, if we didn't answer your question a lot, lot of people had questions about the notre dame game and i don't want to jinx it any more than we already have we'll, we'll we'll talk about notre dame next week but we've got nc state to talk about uh for friday before we do that reminding you guys our podcast is brought to you by our friends over at home field apparel which just unveiled a brand new louisville football shirt as part of its new line that came out this week check it out i tweeted about it last night it's glorious if you need a a new shirt for any of the games coming up this fall. You know, we still got a ton of home games coming up on the slate if you want to look good. Homefield Apparel is the place to go. Go to homefieldapparel.com. Check out their full array of shirts, sweatshirts, hoodies, all that good stuff. And when you make your first purchase from Homefield, use our promo code CHRONICLE15 at checkout. It'll save you money, uh, 15%, in fact, uh, on your first purchase. Follow Homefield Apparel on their social media channels, at Homefield Apparel, without an E on Twitter. Uh, at Homefield Apparel, normally on Instagram. That'll keep you up to date on their newest releases. They got more Louisville stuff planned for the rest of this fall and into the winter. Keep an eye on that. Shout out to our guys over at Homefield Apparel. All right, Dan, NC State on Friday. It's a 
we've mentioned this before, it's a huge game for us. It's a huge game for them. It feels like they need to kind of turn things around. They're really emphasizing this game. It's a blackout for the crowd. The team is wearing their glow-in-the-dark uniforms. Um, They've been, I think, a little bit disappointing thus far. They were not great in their season opening win over Connecticut. It was a 24-14 kind of slugfest. They got beat fairly badly by Notre Dame once the element settled down. They lost that game by 21 uh, took care of business against VMI, and then last week, uh, another Friday night game against Virginia, they really struggled against a bad UVA team to pull out a victory. Where's your confidence level with this thing? First off, I watched the end of the UVA uh, NC State game. One of the wilder finishes I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, Virginia, a hundred percent. You know, at least should have taken that to overtime. Um, you know, the the elements weren't great either. But I mean, Virginia had like three personal fouls in the last minute that kind of gifted nc state the win there so with that being said my confidence level i mean i'll be honest it's about a six six and a half um you know first road game we saw some holes in our defense in the second half brennan armstrong i know you know he's a transfer he hasn't looked great so far um, but he's still someone that scares me a little bit just the environment going up there on a on a Friday night. Um, NC State's usually a tough place to play. I'm not a Dave Doran believer, so that I feel good about. Um, but I think it's going to be a tough game. I think, we're, you know, they're going to try to take us out of what we want to do on the offensive end. Um, they usually have some studs on the defensive line. I'll be honest, I don't know what it's like this year. Uh, but I'm I'm very nervous for this game. This is like the prototypical trap game with all the hoopla with Notre Dame lying ahead. Yeah, this was the game that when we did our preseason show, I picked as the first loss for this team. I thought we'd lose one game before Notre Dame. I thought it would be this one. I feel better about the game now than I did then because NC State, you mentioned that they typically have a really stout defense. They've not been very good so far. They've been really bad against the run. I think this is a game where Jawar Jordan has a chance to really get loose. And then you know, Dave Doran thought he could just get the band back together. He brought in Robert and I, who was the offensive coordinator for Brendan Armstrong when they were both at uh, Virginia a couple of years ago. And I went to Syracuse last season. We saw what he did against us last year there. Um, but they've, like, they have not been able to recapture that magic from a couple of seasons ago. Armstrong is a guy, look, he lit us up two years ago. He was not good against us last year when we beat Virginia. He, if you can get pressure to him, if we can bring some heat, he makes mistakes when he keeps plays alive. Like he's the type of player who tries to make that make something out of nothing. And, and yeah, we'll get a couple opportunities. We'll get a couple balls that we got to make plays on. Yeah, he, he's gonna. If we knock him out of the pocket, he'll throw a couple of those you know wounded ducks up in the air. We should have some opportunities to get some turnovers. Both of the, you know, we're plus two in turnovers for the season. They're plus one for turnovers for the season. It feels like something's got to give there. But I think we should be able to run the ball effectively. I am worried. You mentioned you know. Carter Finley's a tough place to play. It's also our first true road game environment. I know yep. we played in Atlanta. We played in Indianapolis. Neither one of those are going to be like what we're going to see Friday night in, in Raleigh. There's potential rain in the forecast. That could be an issue, too, for I think we want to throw it maybe more than they do. But they don't have dynamic playmakers on the outside. Like, like Armstrong doesn't have guys to throw it to. They don't have the game breakers that we do. This is a game that I think we should win on paper. But, look. Jeff Brom, throughout his his tenure, especially at Purdue, he was great in the big game. He was great in the Notre Dame-type game, but he always kind of had one or two like this that he, he gave back, and you're like, how did, we lo- how did they lose that game? That shouldn't have happened. I'm definitely concerned, but I'm still like, I'm leaning more Cardinal victory than I was before the start of the season, if that makes sense. If we can play kind of a, a clean game as far as how we've played with, with lack of turnovers – and, you know, hopefully lack of penalties, I think we come out with a win. I think if, you know, the game starts and we look rattled, we're jumping off sides, we, we lose a fumble and we kind of let NC State hang around early, then I think things start to get dicey. We just I, – I, I, the one thing I love about Brom, it, it seems like, especially in games like this, like he usually comes out with a, you know, a blazing kind of first drive that he's had drawn up. It seems like for weeks and everything's on script and on schedule. So I I'm really looking, you know, to see how that first drive goes to see if he can get us off on the right foot. 
Jeff Rom also let's give uh, let's give credit to our captains. Four for four on coin tosses this year. Undefeated yeah. in the coin toss. And we've deferred every game. It's been great. Uh, before we do our make make our picks for Friday night's game, Dan the Dumps this week? It's not it's it's kind of more of a parent corner. And I, if there's listeners out here going through this, like my son, he, he's he's nine now. I took him to like his school's like, you know, whatever. It was like out at like some farm party on like a Friday night where all the school goes. Like I've he's reached the age where like, you know, almost like, hey dad, you, you gotta let me do my own thing now. Like you're you're not that cool. Um, but he like gets out of the car and like these three kids are like, Cam, what up, broski? And he like throws like the McLovin, like, what up, says, <laughs> like that time. He's like, Broskies, what's going on? I was like, What in the fuck is going on here? Uh like completely just ran off of these kids and like now like I hear him say like, Oh, that's sus and I'm like, Is this what we're gonna is this what we're doing nowadays? So I guess it's just you know, not really Dan the Dumps, but me just coming to reality with with uh, being a father of a, a nine-year-old boy. I have heard, like, I think you and some of our other friends that have boys that are, you know, in that five, six, seven, eight-year range. I've seen other people that I know, I've seen talk about this on social media, about how often the boys use the word bruh. Like, the, yeah. everything's bruh. Like, I don't know. I'm not ready for that at all. I, I, I don't know. I don't think I'm going to handle that well because I could never envision – ever growing up calling my dad bruh or anything like anything like bruh never would have yeah. happened when he when he gets excited i turn into a bro i'm like cam like you almost had that goal the other night he's like bro i was so open if you would i'm like all right let's start over I'm like <laughs> definitely definitely not your bro here so um but yeah it's uh you know hey the kid's coming to his own so um, it is what it is. I want to talk more about this next week, but I do feel like so. I mean, you're in the belly of the beast up there in Dublin. You're you're right in Columbus. All of Cam's. You talked about this last year. All of Cam's friends are Ohio State fans. He kind of like wants to be a part of that. And Louisville's been so bad in recent years, and in, in the two major sports are so average. Like you, you guys are coming in for the Notre Dame game. Like we're all going to the Notre Dame game. I'm excited. It's the first game that I'm going to be have been able to go to since I got sick. And Cam's going. Like like Cam's going to go is. to the game. I feel like this is kind of a battle for Cam's. Like, if we win in this environment and he sees that it's cool, like, we can have a Louisville fan. This can stick with him. It'll be given the strength he needs to be a Cardinal fan in in Ohio. And if we lose, I I feel like we're playing for Cam next week. This is what I told my wife. Now, Grant, I'm not looking past NC State, so let's just get out of that way. Right. But when the game time came out, I go to Cam. I go, at 7.30 on October 7th, your son is going from a boy to a man. Like <laughs> that is what is going to happen in that crowd. Like I expect, you know, by the way, I'm, I, I'm seeing tweets out there, like make this a towel game. Wouldn't hate it. I would not hate it. <laughs> Big uh, towel guy. The reds are stealing my potential postseason hopes of waving a towel. So if they're not going to do it, <laughs> God damn it. We need someone to do it. Would uh, hate it. Would love to wave a towel. So, yeah, I mean, that, that game, you know, depending on what happens this Friday, I mean, it has a real shot at being an all-timer. So, um, but, yeah, it's, it's again, my dad, you know, he went to Notre Dame. So, you know, uh, my buddy Phil Radcliffe texted. He said, hey, Bob Sennard Bowl in a couple weeks. That's what it is. It's the Bob Sennard Bowl. So, um, I obviously, I'm going to make my son wear, wear Louisville gear. I'm not sure what my dad's going to wear yet. Um, so that'll be interesting, but it's it'll be a nice family affair. All right, before we get to Notre Dame, though, business to take care of in two yep. days. Uh, Friday night game in Raleigh. We played there. Uh, I think we played a Friday night game at NC State two in 2017, Lamar Jackson's last season. It did not go well for us. So we know the crowd's going to bring it. We know NC State feels like they need this game to start the process of turning their season around. This is a big deal for both teams. Louisville is a slight favorite right now. Uh, at last check, the cards were a three-point road favorite. Does Jeff Timber end on the right note? Does Louisville get it done in Raleigh in a couple of nights? I think they do. I think uh, I think Jeff has secretly circled this game to where you know he's going to bring out the big guns. So I, I'm going to say we start fast um, and, and kind of hold on at the end. I'll say we win 
Uh, it'll be a close one. I, I'm going to say we went 27 to 24. Well, you stole my exact score. So, <laughs> I think this is going to be. I think this is going to be the most emotionally exhausting game of the season, which is saying yep. something because of Georgia Tech, uh, but and and Indiana to a, a, an extent. I think this is going to be back and forth. I think it's going to be just taxing. I, I think we're all going to age five years. I, I think at the end of the day, all that all that anybody cares about is that we come out of Friday night with a victory. I think we're going to make that happen. I think we should be able to run effectively on them, but I do think that there are going to be some defensive issues. I think Brandon Armstrong will make some plays. I think he'll he'll give us some chances to make some plays defensively. But at the end of the day, we win a very, very exhausting game, 27-24, and the hype train is on for next week with Notre Dame, and we're going to have a hell of a week. But, hey, before we do any of that, let's take care of business against NC State. I, I said we'd read reviews uh, on the – podcast app next episode that we only have one new review and it's just somebody complaining about the way that one episode a couple months ago sounded uh when they tried to skip ahead so we, we don't need to read that but if you do want to leave us a nice review subscribe to the pod give us a rating leave us that review and then we'll read it on the next episode i promise uh we will we'll be back next week hopefully it'll be another celebratory show and we'll be getting hyped up for notre dame we'll be getting hyped up for notre dame regardless but hopefully we're doing so as a 5-0 and ranked team Jeff Tember, let's end it the right way. Let's fucking do this. Go Cards, beat NC State. Come on, Cards, beat the Wolfpack. Let's go.